Revisit, the official podcast of the UCC Visitors Centre. You're very welcome to this episode of Revisit, the official podcast of the UCC Visitors Centre. And today I'm very glad to be joined on the show by Dr. Owen Latisse, who is a lecturer in plant science at the School of Biological, Ecological and Environmental Sciences, or as we like to call it, BEES for short, and also lectures in the Environmental Research Institute at University College Cork. Owen's research interests include plant pathology, biological control, soil biology, sustainable agriculture, as well as the role of urban trees and green spaces. Owen is the co-principal investigator on the UCC Open Arbitrarium project and the SFI Tree Explorers project, which makes use of the newly accredited UCC Tree project for research, teaching and outreach. And Owen is an extremely, and I'll stress this, vocal advocate for urban trees. Hello, Owen. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, JP. Lovely to be here. You did a, that was a great introduction. I, I couldn't have done it better myself. It's all about the research, Owen, is this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you would know, as a researcher. Indeed. So can you tell me a little bit about your own history with UCC? Sure. I mean, I'm. There's a few of us around who who've spent uh, virtually all our career in in UCC. Um, I'm a native. Uh, I'm a native of Cork City, um, and so I did uh, my degree uh, and I did my PhD. I also did a master's along the way in teaching and learning, all in in UCC. So I've been here since, uh, you know, on and off really since 1998 when I came in to do um, the degree and I ended up doing a degree in plant and microbial biotechnology, which is a degree that doesn't uh, exist anymore. Um, and then I stuck around uh, and did my PhD with Professor Peter Jones uh, down in what was the Department of Plant Science when I started, then became the Department of ZEPS, Zoology, Ecology and Plant Science, and has subsequently morphed and developed into the School of Bees um, after various amalgamations. Uh, so I did my PhD there with Pete on um, plant pathogenic nematodes uh, and a bit of soil ecology. And then I was lucky enough that um, uh, first uh, a temporary post opened up and, and finally a, a permanent post opened up here in uh, UCC, uh, where I continue to to teach plant science and uh, a bit of plant ecology, a bit of genetics, a bit of everything else, uh, as well as uh, carrying on my research here, uh, which has changed and developed over the years. But um, yeah, I suppose I'm a plant scientist at heart and I'm a plant uh, pathologist uh, by training, I suppose, with looking at plant disease uh, in all its different guises, how we can control plant diseases. Uh, on the farm, but also, you know, as you mentioned, in trees in our cities and so on. So I'm 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 an advocate for the for for the value of plants in society. I think uh, and um, promoting the protection of plants and trees uh, and wildlife in general in our cities and towns. And it, I, I think that's even more important now, given the the year of uh, lockdown that we've uh, that we're still in, um, uh, that people begin to realise. Um, where nature lives in their cities uh, and in their two kilometers and in their five kilometers uh, and we see more people engaging with nature and you know protecting nature and enhancing nature planting trees you know doing work in their own gardens uh, and that's wonderful to see fabulous we started in ucc in the exact same year so we've spent the same amount of time in the university as each other so my next question is which one of us is madder 
<laughs> it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Well, you know, uh, you know, having spent this long in um, in UCC, um, I think you, I've certainly become very attached to the place, and, and I'm very yep. fond of the place, and I know you are too. Not just the work that we do, uh, not just the teaching or the research or or, or whatever, but also. And um, just the stories of the place, the history of the place, the people in the place as well. And, you know, it's been a tough year being away from all of that. Um, you know, sometimes when we're in the midst of it, we wish we could get away from the place uh, more. But uh, spending this long away and uh, working from home and all of that, mm. all, all, all that that entails, um, it's tough going. I can't put into words the feeling I have in my heart when I walk through the gates of UCC. And I have felt that way since I was a student, but I think we appreciate that even more now that we have to spend a bit of time away from it. I think we do. Um, and uh, as everybody knows, it's a beautiful campus. So physically, it's it's beautiful, wonderful buildings to enjoy, um, you know, and the buzz around the place is something that I miss. I mean, I, I'm i in bees, so uh, most of my time is spent uh, in, in in a normal year down on the distillery field campus uh, off the North Mall, which is which is itself a lovely uh, part of the world, you know, close yeah. by the river, a nice walkway up to main campus and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, I would go a number of days, if not weeks, without getting back onto main campus. And and certainly during the academic year when I'm, when I'm teaching up there, uh, you know, the large first year classes or whatever, the opportunity to to get back onto campus and you get that buzz and you get that energy um, from uh, the students on campus and just the hive of activity uh, and the kind of madness that's that's happening uh, you know when when different events are on like rag week and freshers week and so on yeah. uh, i really miss that and it's good i must say it's good where we are in bees there's lots of advantages down there on the the north mall uh, but we get the best of both worlds because we're up and down for teaching, for meetings, uh, for, uh, and so on. And when I, yeah, when I walk through the gates up the main avenue, past the Glucksman, past all of these wonderful trees, uh, you know, and and right into the heart of it there by the uh, O'Reilly building, the Honan, uh, the Quad and so on, just the energy. And I think that's what keeps keeps us young if I may say so, yeah. JP, uh, and keeps us uh, um, excited about getting up and going to work uh, in, in the morning. You know, it's definitely the work that we do, but a big chunk of it is the place that we work, the people we work with. The environment and, we're in, yes. And we yeah. shouldn't take that for granted because, you know, uh, not every university campus is as beautiful. Um, not every workplace is as vibrant and as energetic. Um, so... Uh, we're we're very lucky. Uh, we had Jack Murphy, the head gardener from UCC, on the show about two weeks ago, and he was. But we were con- conversing about that exact thing about how, because of the five k lockdown, we've had a lot of people who are discovering UCC for the first time. They've never been inside the gates of the place, and they're starting to see the wonderful trees and plants that we have in UCC. So, I mean, you've been the expert in that area. Can you tell us a little bit about the UCC Arbiter? Yeah, I suppose. This is a a project which has really grown legs in the last couple of years. I mean, the the tree collection dates back to the foundation of the university um, back in 1845-49, that that neck of the woods. And I suppose at that time, 
if you were a, a university establishing yourself, um, you know, there's a few things that you'd establish as as a matter of course, you know, a museum, a library, um, and, and a botanic garden was was up there with the the key teaching and research tools that that would be established. So really, what we're doing um, in the um, Open Arboretum project and then ultimately the Tree Explorers project, which has just got some nice Science Foundation Ireland uh, support, uh, is to kind of re-establish the, the academic links to the tree collection uh, on campus um, because, you know, the trees were planted, one, because they looked nice, but two, it, it really was a, a teaching uh, resource um for teaching botany and and teaching medical students and so on about botany and about um the value of plants providing medicines and so on um so the botanic gardens and the tree collection were planted for that reason and and over time that connection has fluctuated let's say between the the collection and the the academic input into that collection um to a point where um, you know, in the last couple of years, Barbara Doyle Prestwich, my colleague in Bees, yep. uh, and myself, you know, uh, really were, were, were talking about, you know, this is a valuable collection. This is a collection that people around the world, institutions around the world, around the country would give their ITs for. Um, and so well looked after uh, by Jack Murphy and the team and the Buildings and Estates team. Um, and it's really about coming at it uh, from our point of view, it's coming at it from the academic standpoint, then sort of seeing how can we add value to what is already an amazing resource, so well managed, so well looked after. Um, and, and so we're coming at it from a teaching and a research point of view. How can we incorporate the trees back into our teaching? How can we incorporate, do some research uh, on the trees, on the collection? Uh, and how can we, uh, which I know is a, an area close to your heart, how can we, um, I suppose, uh, involve visitors to the yeah. uh, to the campus and how can we teach them about the plants on campus um, uh, while they're here so it, it's it's really taken off uh, we started out with uh, some funding from the green campus uh, committee and from buildings and estates uh, and then that rolled on as these things often do that was a nice bit of seed funding uh, and then it rolled on to some significant uh, sfi funding this year and because of that we can expand uh, the work that we're doing. We can get more people hopefully in on campus. We can talk to school kids about the collection and then talking to them about trees means we can talk to them also about climate change or biodiversity loss and, and yeah. these kind of big scientific issues as well. So you have some great plans for the trees and how we can use our physical landscape in our teaching and learning. Can you give us some specific examples about how you would do that? Yeah, I suppose what Science Foundation Ireland really liked about the, um, the, the current project is that we co-developed it with some uh, DESH primary schools around the city, the, the, yeah. the, you know, from disadvantaged areas around the city. Um, and we developed it in a way that uh, would allow us to, to, you know, all of this is COVID dependent and we'll adapt uh, and we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever is necessary to comply with everything. But um, we will get people out into the classroom and into the, the, the schools themselves to talk about trees, to talk about plants, to talk about the environment. Then those same pupils get to come into campus um, for, you know, a few hours to uh, explore the collection uh, and to you know to measure the trees to to stand under the trees just to enjoy the trees 
uh, and um, uh, and to explore them in that way. Uh, so it's a kind of a two two pronged approach to get uh, yeah to get school kids uh, interested in the natural world. Uh, and we're conscious, you know, that lots of primary schools, particularly around Cork City Centre, wouldn't have an, an enormous amount of green space themselves, wouldn't have an enormous amount of, of trees on their own campus. So bringing them in allows uh, us to do to do that with them. You know, one of the other ways we're using it is in our, in our own teaching. Uh, my colleague, uh, Barbara Doyle Prestwich, that I, I mentioned, teaches, for example, on the pharmacy degree. Uh, and teaches the pharmacists about uh, about plants uh, and, and the importance of plants in medicine. Uh, and we've got some lovely trees that could illustrate that really well. You know, the mm. ginkgo in the president's garden, uh, the yew tree producing taxol for uh, anti-cancer therapies and so on. Um, so, and the willow, of course, at the main gates. So we can do a tour that's tailored around that particular module, that particular course. And, and we managed to just squeeze that in uh, just before lockdown um, uh, last year. So we managed to, to do a tour of 30 or 40 uh, students around, uh, around the campus, which was really fantastic. And we want to do more of that uh, as we go forward. And, and I mean, the feedback we get from that is, is fantastic. We had one student who, who's, who I remember told us that, you know, they were third years and they had never been down or that part, that particular student had never been down to the lower grounds in UCC. And I yeah. just thought, that's amazing. How can you do three years without exploring oh, yeah, the place? That fully? doesn't surprise me at all, um, to be honest. I think people are so focused on what their goals are that sometimes they don't see the, you know, the trees, to paraphrase the, the expression. The, the wood for the trees, you know. And that's sad, but I think maybe the last 12 months will make people reflect on that a little bit more. So you touched a little bit on the tree tour that you had started running pre-pandemic. No, you're, you're in a similar situation to myself there in that the bulk of my business is based around running tours. So, you know, I've had to change the narrative of how we do that because of COVID regulations. You're, you're, you had devised a tour, it was very popular. You were advertising it, you had people could get tickets for it on Eventbrite, you were running it at various different times. All the tours were full up, there was great response, and then COVID happens. I mean, have you found a way of doing those tours in another way, or have you thought about how that's going to change in the future? We have. So just in the last um, couple of weeks, we've run our first online tour. Um, I mean, immediately after lockdown, I did something on Twitter where we had some social media stuff yeah, and posting, good, yeah. posting the wonderful photographs of, of Tomás Tyner, who's done some great work photographing the trees for us. A gifted, um, gifted, gifted, and that, absolutely. And, 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 and this is it. I mean, we were lucky enough to get uh, those photographs specifically taken for the project um, um, just before the lockdown, I think, if I remember correctly, a few few weeks, a few months before the lockdown. And then we're, we were able to employ those on social media. And then in the last couple of weeks, uh, we ran a virtual tour uh, over, um, over Teams. Uh, that was for National Tree Week. We had about 120, 130 people uh, attending and that worked pretty well. There's nothing to replace being there, no, no. wandering around, enjoying the trees in person. But actually the feedback we got uh, was pretty well. We ran it during lunchtime and it's an opportunity for people to escape 
mentally uh, out of their home office and 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 to imagine themselves back on campus again. So there's, there's, cert- there's a certain so irony really to it, though, isn't there? Like running tours to get people to embrace nature and do it through the virtual world. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, that's where we are. And I mean, as part of this project, we will look at uh, we, we are currently looking at, um, you know, a, a website for the trees, you know, a, a, a improving the app and so on so that people can, can do that. But we, we really want to make this a, a, an experience on the ground as much as possible that people can actually put away their phone and just enjoy the trees without without getting too bogged down in the technology. Uh, so that's my dream. It's uh, you know I, I maybe it's after a year of uh, Zoom and MS Teams meetings and so on, but I I want people to be able able to experience the trees. No, this uh, too shall pass, steps. and we we will I think we will benefit from it, and our outreach and our outputs I think will be greater as a result of COVID uh, rather than in spite of it. One of the things I love to do is with with the kids that come in is is that. I, I pay very close attention to the ones that are engaged, particularly when we're talking about sustainability. And we have little um, boxes of seed bombs. Mm. And if I see a child that's very engaged with sustainability, I'll give them a box of seeds to go and plant their own tree. And more often than not, they, their, light, their eyes light up. The idea that they can go home and actually help create nature create something renewable in their own garden. That leads me to a question about that. I mean, I, I will hold my hands up and say, I don't know a whole lot about plant science, about plant ecology. So if I'm a small child and, and you and I, and someone gives me a box of seeds and I plant them, how long is it going to take me before I see a tree? Will I be 80? Uh, no, 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 you shouldn't be 80. Um, I mean, lots of the, the, the trees we see around campus, lots of the younger trees are, are um, have been planted in in the last few decades and so on. So, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about plants in general. You know, there is this magic, I suppose. Of course, there's the science of it. You know, we can dwell on that another day. But but the magic of of giving a child uh, a bunch of seeds, and I see it with my own kids, and sticking them in the ground, and giving them a bit of water, a bit of love and attention, and Mm. and then there's the magic moment when they germinate and they grow and they, you know, they can produce their own sunflowers or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, planting trees is not um, is not a difficult task to do. It's it's difficult to manage them uh, and to, to care for them uh, long term and so on. So in, in terms of, you know, the work, the, the work that Jack Murphy does on the campus and so on. So it's not a, a task that I, I should downplay, but it in terms of getting people interested in doing this, um, it, you know, collect collect acorns, plant them in the ground uh, it, during the winter and in the springtime, they will germinate nine times out of ten. Uh, and you'll get little oak trees that you can uh, keep in a pot for a couple of years and then plant them out in the garden, uh, you know, maybe in year three or year four. So you can you, you can see them coming on and you can you can um, you can enjoy watching them grow. I suppose plant science uh, suffers in some way in, in that it's not an immediate reaction, um, yeah. and so it it takes time and it takes a little bit of love and attention and care and discipline. Um, but there's a value in that as well. I think you know. But it so I think anybody about, can plant yeah. trees. It teaches people about patience as well too, though, doesn't it? 
It does, it does, uh, and uh, you know, as I said, I've, I've done these kind of things with my own kids, trying to get them interested in plants. They're, it's impossible; they're too interested in dinosaurs and and lots of other cool things. So, uh, <laughs> it, but it, it it's you know, you can see their eyes light up when when things germinate and things are growing, yeah. uh, and particularly if you if 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 you tell them the backstory. I mean, we we get kids in. Um, on the tours uh, and even adults indeed and we can tell them b about the redwoods on campus for example yeah. and well, these are giants the, you know and we can tell them about the Willemia pines which were around when the dinosaurs were alive uh, and if you can make those connections uh, I think it's always very useful for for getting kids uh, engaged. We have the most wonderful grounds with trees it'd be, it'd be great to see that reproduced in a big way in our city so it would be fair to say you would be in favour of the idea of a tree officer for Cork? It would indeed. Um, yeah, I suppose, uh, look, my background, uh, as I've said, is in plant pathology and in sustainable agriculture. And through my work with the with the UCC trees, then I'm very kind of quickly becoming involved in other tree projects um, and, and tree initiatives around the city and the county. I'm involved in, in an initiative in the South Parish, for example, uh, mapping and uh, you know quantifying the, the trees there. Uh, and I'm involved in a project down in uh, Carrick Tool looking at trees. I'm also involved in a, a project with a local golf course looking at biodiversity and how we can increase biodiversity on golf courses, things like that. So, you know, as is the nature of these things, our, our interest and our research interests kind of um, move around. But I suppose given that I've been so vocal about the UCC trees, I, I have certainly been drawn into uh, conversations, shall we say, around protecting uh, trees across our cities and towns. Um, and one of the things I, I've been advocating for, as indeed have others, uh, is a, a tree officer in Cork City Council. I think UCC has an opportunity because um, because of our, our our status, let's say, our reputation in, in the community to to advocate for best practice in managing yeah. uh, trees and wildlife and biodiversity. Uh, as I said, you know, with our green campus credentials, the, the amazing work of buildings and estates uh, and, and the research that goes on here, we have an opportunity to, to say, you know, this is the, the way it should be done. Uh, we have an, an opportunity to put that into practice in our own uh, green campus uh, and then be yeah, a model for, for the rest of the city or for the rest of the, the, the country. Um, and, and I think um, I think people are coming around to that idea. No, I think you're right. I've always felt that universities are microcosms of the cities and the societies that they, they operate in. And that if you start something in the university, it tends to go and move into the communities outside the gates. And that's what I, I, I love from this conversation on is, is, is what I'm hearing from talking to you is, is that you're actually applying your research in the community, in golf clubs in the South Parish, in various places where people will actually see the impact of the research. And I think it's very important to make that point regularly that our research in universities does have impact beyond our walls. It has impact in our communities and how we see ourselves and how we live as a people and as a country. I think so. I, I think it has to have impact. Uh, and I mean, that's one of the 
the things funders will look for. We've got to be out there. We've got to be having an impact. We've got to be uh, paying our way, if you say, if, if you know what I mean. A lot of the research yeah. we do is funded publicly by taxpayers. So we have a an obligation to get out there and to make the country and the world a better place, if that's not too lofty an ambition. Um, so in, in whatever small way we can, bringing our own research and our own work out into communities, and, and that's what makes my job interesting, to be honest, yeah. you know, it, it's getting out there uh, and uh, getting involved in different projects that that sometimes are, are kind of take a long time and, and take a long gestation period, if you like, and others just crop out of uh, up out of nowhere and are just really great, uh, exciting initiatives to be involved in, all centered around this idea of of sustainability and using plants uh, to be more sustainable, whether that's in the way in which we produce our food, whether that's in how we live our lives in our cities and our towns, whether that's how we, uh, you know, um, solve problems like climate change, uh, yeah. like flooding, all of those issues. I think, you know, plants are wonderful. Uh, you know, that's my take home message for most of my lectures, that plants are wonderful. And and uh, it's how we use them to solve some of the major problems uh, that the world is facing today. That's mm. that's really, uh, and, and the big problems there are, you know, how we can sustainably feed the world, how we can protect biodiversity, uh, how we can solve climate change and protect ourselves against the the impact of climate change. Mm. I mean, I remember being a child and being kind of fascinated by, you know, newspapers used to take the, the mickey out of Prince Charles because he used to talk to his plants. And I think they used to ignore the message there that he, his plants made him happy and being around plants and trees made him happy, which is the central message. And I think we've moved away from that, making fun of people for talking to plants into a landscape where people are starting to appreciate that plants and trees make people happy. I see the impact that gardening has on my own wife. Every spring she goes out and she plants her roses and she plants her, her plants and her pot of plants. And it, it's just, it, it just energizes her, you know, she loves it. And even earlier in the week, like the, the remains of last year's roses are coming up and she's really excited about that, you know? It's wonderful. And, and you know, this is something I've I've emphasized in a few talks I've done recently um, around the idea of, of green spaces in our cities, that there is a real uh, mental health and physical health benefit of green spaces, uh, trees, parks uh, and so on. So, I mean, we shouldn't see these things as um, as things that only the elite are interested in or only botanists and plant scientists are interested in. Plants are everywhere, you know, uh, yeah. and there is there's this idea of plant blindness, which is this idea that we we look out our window every morning and we almost don't see the plants out there. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they blend into the background. Um, we see the animals, we see the buildings, we see the, the people, of course, but the plants almost become background colour yeah, yeah. Uh, to our lives. Uh, and when we stop to think, I, I guess this is what, what the Tree Explorers and the Open Arboretum Project is about, when we stop to consider uh, the trees that are around us, uh, we see how amazing they are. Yeah. I mean, how many of us, including myself, wander past the, the as I said, the redwoods outside the library, Mm. And we, we, we don't give them a second glance sometimes, including myself. And then you stand back to think, my God, these are colossal and, yeah. and these are only just babies. I mean, these are, 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 are very young trees in the grand scheme of things. They've come all the way from from California 
Uh, they've been here on campus for 100 and what is it 170 years or sure, whatever sure. or probably 150 years and you know the, the it, it's sometimes we need to stop and think uh, and consider how wonderful these things are and you think you think they have problems pruning them now with 150 years from now how difficult it will be that idea of plant blindness i get exactly what you mean because obviously i would have you know, I'd be walking around the campus and I'd see the plants and I'd see the trees. But I, I have on occasion found myself on the, on the roof of the quadrangle. And when you're at that height, you see the whole city. And my God, you until you're up there, you don't realise how much green and how much trees we have in our immediate environment. It's, it's overwhelming. I never realised until I went up there how much greenery we actually have. Yeah, and a lot of that is in people's back gardens and hidden away from the public. And that's great because that provides corridors for wildlife and, uh, you know, space for pollinators and insects and birds and so on. So, I mean, we are very lucky um, to, to live in the city. We are. We've got, we're close to na- relatively close to nature. Uh, we're close to, to the sea. Uh, we're close to the water. We're close to the river. We can do more. We can always improve how we how we handle nature and how we manage our trees and our green spaces and so on. But actually, we're very lucky um, uh, in some regards. We are indeed. Um, I, I, t- I count my lucky stars every day. But we mentioned the um, the very, very big trees, the redwoods outside the library. They're actually my favourites. Um, I, I do stand next to them at times just to kind of think of how, how small I am compared to them. It's it's humbling. You know, I'm not known for being the most humble person. So standing next to those trees is a, is definitely a humbling moment. But do you have a favourite tree in UCC or a favourite group of trees? Um, I, I I probably have several and it depends what time of year. That's I mean, that's the great thing about the trees. They change yeah. through the seasons and so on. Um, I think if I was to, to to pick one, I really think the the Monterey pine uh, just at the ceremonial gates yeah, on gorgeous. the Western Road is fantastic. It's it's sheer scale. It's positioned there um, by the gates. It's it's and it's almost the first thing, even if people are just passing by the gates, they're not going in. They don't have time to visit UCC. They see that at the gates and they get a sense of the, the scale of the thing. Um, so I think uh, for lots of reasons, that's that's my my favourite. But I there, mean, there's so there's many. A little bit things. of a social history with that tree as well, Owen, because when, when we were undergrad students, smartphones really were only at an early stage of development. So many of us wouldn't have had smartphones. So that actual pine tree was 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 regularly the meat spot for dates. For students. Oh, mm-hmm. students would actually arrange to meet underneath that tree so there's a romantic history to that tree near, near that tree so there's a romantic history to that tree as well you know if it could tell its stories i'd say there'd be we'd, we'd have a much longer podcast i'd say we'd have complaints if, if the trees in ucc could tell their stories so i have just two more questions for you um on before we, we wrap up which is a, a really fascinating and enjoyable conversation what inspires you i i think from a from the work in terms of the work I do, it's the students really that that I yeah. uh, I get inspired by, and I get uh, enthusiasm and energy, and yeah, that's the, the, that's that inspires me. Uh, you know, the teaching uh, element of what I do really um, uh, really is the the driving force behind uh, what I do for a living. You know, obviously. I can bring my my own research into that teaching, but 
um, it, it means that, you know, standing in front of a class, um, talking to the students, engaging with the students uh, through project work, uh, fourth year projects, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's it's the it's the engagement with students and I'm constantly, I suppose, impressed by their by their skills, by their knowledge, by their questions. Uh, and and particularly this year, uh, impressed by their by their strength and resilience, frankly, Absolutely, because yeah. they, they've they're the group that have really um, been impacted uh, severely by this. Of course, we've all been impacted in our own ways, but but this this is not what uh, those students signed up for, uh, you know. So it, it's trying to uh, they're doing their best and they are um, constantly impressing me about how resilient they are over the last oh, year or so. I completely agree. I mean, earlier this week, I don't know if you were there, but I was at the Green Campus Forum meeting and the student in Varasak gave a presentation. And in all of the presentations I've seen from students over the years, I was absolutely blown away by their dedication, their forthrightness and their ability to question and ask challenging questions, but above all, their absolute 100% commitment to their beliefs and the need for things to change and the need for us, for us to embrace sustainability in the environment. I was stunned. I was just stunned for an hour after it. Our students really are just the best thing about the university. They are, and that's the way it should be. I mean, you know, they they, they are, they, they bring an energy to the place that, that um, uh, old hats like us can't always break. So it, it, it I remember when we were the young people on, and now we're the old hats. It's amazing how things how, how time flies. You Do know? you remember when even even as a young staff member, I used to walk through the gates uh, of college, and somebody would hand me a flyer, and I'd I'd be impressed. I'd be like, God, they think I'm a student. Those days, are, gone. Oh, yeah, Those yeah, days yeah. are long gone, JP. <laughs> Once I started wearing the three-piece suits, I stopped getting handed the flyers. You see, so yeah, there you were. It's lovely talk to you. One last question. What's your favourite part of UCC? I think my favourite part has to be the, the Honan Chapel. I think it's uh, probably uh, uh, an answer that lots of people give to that question, but it's just the sheer um, beauty of the place, the uh, quietness of the place uh, at times. Um, and so, uh, you know, I do enjoy popping in there. When I am up on campus, uh, I'll pop in uh, for a few minutes uh, and just um just in the same way that, that you might stand under the redwoods and look up in in awe yeah. you can stand in the in the honing and look up at the um the stained glass at the at the workmanship at the sheer skill of it all um and i think it's it's just a beautiful beautiful building and i'm delighted to see it being given the love and attention it deserves i know you were talking to father Jar recently uh, on this podcast and delighted to see um uh, you know that that work going on. So I'll be thrilled to get back to campus, yeah. and I'll be thrilled to get back uh, into the Honan Chapel at some stage as well. When we were students, there was a rather large tree that stood on the grounds of the Honan Chapel, which unfortunately had to come down because it was unsafe. But they have fashioned the base of that tree into a nice little seat. So something renewable has come from that, and I think there's a nice message in that as well too. Yeah, and I remember that tree. I remember that tree coming down i suppose it's a message to all of us that 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 nothing is permanent um and ultimately the trees on campus you know will will change over time everything on campus changes we think of it of of ucc as a 
as an unchanging monolith. You know, if you look at the 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 the, the quad or you look at the Honan or the library or whatever. But you know, those of us who have been around UCC for a little bit of time, you know, we're not we're not that old yet, JP. Mm-hmm. Uh, know that the place changes uh, and it changes because of you know the wonderful staff here, the wonderful students here, and uh, yeah, and mostly those changes are for the good and for 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 the better and onwards and upwards. It does change, but the passion and the commitment and the sense of family will always remain the same. Dr. Owen Latisse from the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Sciences, UCC, thank you very much for joining me as my guest today. Thanks, JP.